Kilda fam, it's Sarade Cameron here for Q Theatre's Meet the Makers podcast series. I am speaking this session with Chai Lin Kwang, who is the writer and director of Orientation, which is on at Q Theatre in the vault. No, it's in the loft. It's in the loft. Oh of course God. it's in the loft. It's going to be what huge. Am I up to? It's, it's going to be crazy, you guys. <laughs> and it's on from the 5th to the 15th of September at 7.45. That is 7.45. Don't get it twisted. It is not on at 8 p.m. It is not on at 7.30. It is on at 7.45. There's a really specific reason for that um, thematically in the play. Which will become which clear. Which will become very when clear. When you see it. When you see it. Why, why, why did you write this show? Um, I wrote the show because it was um, fun to write. <laughs> I think the last show that I wrote was like a very painful, arduous process. Um, and it was cloaked with a lot of mythology and otherworldliness that was kind of tapping into this um, mythological Asian um, world that I was using sort of as a vessel to talk about communism and my relation to that and my family. So I didn't really want to be too on the, on the nose about it for various reasons. So that was quite a hard process, but with orientation, someone, I think it was Sophie Roberts that was, that pointed out to me that call of the sparrows had nothing in it that was romantic or sexual at all. None of the characters had romantic relationships or there was no like thread of love. That's unusual. Lust. Which is unusual in a story, but I think at the time I was trying to, because I had a mostly female cast, I was trying to really subvert that whole thing of, you know, women as romantic props. And so I just completely went a 180 on it and was like, no, no romance, no sex, no nothing. And I guess that has really stuck in my mind. So the next time that I went to write something, which was for the Asian Inc. workshop um, submission, I was like, okay, I should write something that's like about love and sex. Cool. So I did. So orientation is about love and sex. Yeah, it's about love, sex, and race. Cool. And is can you tell me about the characters in the show a little bit? Yes. Um, so the lead character is called May. Mm-hmm. She's a Chinese Pākehā New Zealander. Um, and she's essentially going through a quarter-life crisis that has um, been triggered um, by her parents' Uh, relationship issues so she's a biracial woman living in Aotearoa and she's trying to unravel what it means to be a biracial Asian woman and to be in love to be dating and to be engaging in sex with people I read that she I read something about a Singaporean film star yeah, oh yeah, so like, the other ah. characters in the play are um, this character called Everyman, which is sort of a construct of her imagination. So he plays all of the characters, apart from the lead four actors. Um, and then there's Dhruv, who is a filmmaker. Um, there is a Singaporean actor called Thomas, and a Filipino bodybuilder called Case. Amazing. Yeah, so just it's a giant thirst trap of a show. It's it's sounds quite hetero. It's super hetero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, it did strike me pretty early on in the process to go, okay, you know, the show's called Orientation for various reasons. It was, it was mainly a play on the words, the Orient, 
an mm-hmm. orientation of sort of like trying to figure out how your racial bias skews in the dating world. So that was kind of my plan was there. But I mean, as a as a pansexual writer, it did strike me that the show was like hella straight. But at the same time, I'm like ugh, about halfway through, it just became too much to add too many things oh you don't want to add something for the sake of it it wouldn't have been for the sake of it i just think with something i was trying to deconstruct at the time it kind of came off the back of asian men talk about sex which was a documentary that um me and my team shot as part of loading docs um and that was like an all mostly straight dialogue um from a straight woman's perspective um, and I think just to add too many things would be a disservice to the overall story. I mean, there's definitely super gay stuff that I want to talk about at some point in terms of Asianness, but it just became huge. Like the topic already is massive, mm. and um, yeah, I think that's going to be the that was the struggle in cutting down the script. Have there been experiences in your own life that have informed this work? Like, oh yeah, like every single person is a real life human being walking. No, no, (laughs) so not true. It's interesting because when we first did the the first workshop for it as part of Asian Inc, which was a play market thing, um, the bits that were completely made up, people were like putting their hands on my hand and being like, oh my God, I can't believe you went through that. I feel so bad for you. And the bits that were, you know, true to life, they were like, ha, that's hilarious. What a great invented character. So, you know, it's a mixture of the two. I'd say it's about 50-50. Assuming something is autobiographical is something that I think audiences do a lot. Mm. And it, it's hard as a creative, yeah. eh? Because you all, you're always shrouding or you're always like coming at it from the left. So mm. I think it's fun. I like, I mean, I, I was so enamored of Eli Kent's work when I first saw it because of that reason, because it had Mm. that sort of mysterious quality of like, how real is this? You know, this, Mm. it feels so real to me, but then talking to him about, um, what was that play he did with the road trip and the, this was a really long time ago. Intricate art of actually caring. Yes. And I remember talking to him about it like years later when we became friends and being Mm. like, Oh my God, I just loved how like real it was. And he was like, Oh, like 90% of that's fabricated and my heart just breaking. But at the same time, just being really blown away with why, why we're so intrigued that it, why we really want it to be real. Yeah. I think it is real. Like all of the narratives are real in the way that they are either experiences that I've had coming from other people or myself to other people. So when you see the the men and the women in the show having really problematic responses to things or going about things in completely the wrong way, this isn't my giant like middle finger to all the people who have fucked me over. This is also me looking inside myself and being like, ooh, <laughs> I've done some shady, shady things in the past in order to try and um, figure out my own identity and where I sit and obviously when you're engaging in sex and you're dating it's going to hurt other people and um yeah I just thought that was all really interesting to kind of bring to the light specifically through the lens of an East Asian woman yes yeah Yeah. so what is different because I have you know I think that there's similarities for the ways that South Asian women are fetishized or ignored as you know, mm. East Asian and South Asian, there's similarities, but I think there's also a lot of differences. So, like, how does that how does that play into it? Um, or how does that play into it for you? For me, I think, I mean, the character is based on my own experiences. Um, 
of course you get it's, it's interesting because i'm biracial so mm. i have a lot of you know like light-skinned privilege i suppose um in terms of the way that um within chinese culture there's a lot of like colorism that is so prevalent especially when you go overseas my family's all uh, all lives in malaysia and we're from the southern part of china so our family's actually super brown so i'm like a lot because my mum is pakia i'm a lot whiter than a lot of them and you know just getting compliments on that all the time within your own culture is just like so fucking awkward um but also having that really confused identity of like, oh, okay, so I'm I'm Chinese. I'm like a Zhang Ziyi type of Chinese. And then when what I... Is, what is that? Zhang Ziyi, the actress, oh. um, Memoirs of a Geisha, oh, yeah. um, etc. Yeah. Um, but then being hella confused when, you know, I turn super brown in, in the summer and then feeling more Pakia when I'm brown as opposed to more Asian. So I think like that whole thing's very confusing. But then, you know obvious the, just the obvious classic things of you're so hot for an asian people engaging with you in like sex or dating because you're asian because they've never fucked an asian which has literally been something that's said to my face as a pickup line um or you know vice versa people getting kind of intimidated or turned off by it because they're See, racists i think those things are obvious to me and you but i don't <laughs> think that's obvious to so many people i know and it's hilarious like talking to you about this because i'm like well preaching to the choir mm, mm. you know but i'm i'm curious to see i'm always shocked at how many people are shook when i tell them these things yeah same um i literally went on a date you'll probably hear this and it'll be hilarious went on a date with this um woman who was of mixed uh chinese and hawaiian i think or um polynesian descent and she told me that I was hot for an Asian. No. On the date to my face. It was no. a first date. I was Dude. like, oh, oh, this is some fucked up shit. Yeah. So it goes deep. I mean, there's a lot of internalized racism, I think, it that also projects when when you are a person of color, that's like a whole nother kettle of fish. Absolutely. And it's and it's devastating in a different kind of way yeah. when the internalized racism comes from people of color because you're like oh. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to you know sift, sift through my own hurt feelings about mm. this but I'm thinking about your hurt feelings yeah yeah and like how grotesque is it that that those words came out of your mouth yeah. when I'm sitting here looking at this beautiful yeah person of color of chinese descent who's literally just you know dissed their entire race yeah absolutely without really realizing it but meaning yeah. it as like a compliment to me. Mm. Oh, it's so mm. fucked up. I felt really torn about that person because at the same time I was horrified. Mm. But at the same time, you know, I didn't like throw a drink and walk out the door because I so empathized. If that had been a white dude, I would have just been like, okay, done, RIP. But, or, you know, or a white girl. Or a white girl. Mm. Yeah. So we just stayed and chatted and I was just like, oh, my brain hurts. <sighs> It wasn't think, sexy. <laughs> no, that's not sexy. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I, colorism is something that is is quite hard to explain to people. And I've, I've had this conversation with friends of mine who are brown and who are not mixed race. When they say things to me about, like, mixed race babies or when oh, they yes. tell me I'm pretty because I'm mixed race or when, mm. or when, you know, they say anything about it and then being mixed race is part of it. It's like, mm. I don't, I don't want... 
I don't want to hear someone say how good it is to be mixed race because I think about like my mum didn't get called a cute kid like I got called a cute mm. kid but she's an extremely cute kid but she just mm. wasn't a half white kid yeah yeah it's this weird like fetishization that happens as well it's like when you are in the middle because some people I mean a lot of people do say you know uh, well I know that I'm not as discriminated against Absolutely. because I'm not full Chinese. Absolutely. And I have all of those privileges of being And you sound like white. a New Zealander. I sound like a New Zealander. Quota, air, yeah, air yeah, quotations. Sure. You can't see the booth <laughs> air quotations. Um, you know, I was raised in white institutions. Mm-hmm. You know, I can write a white funding proposal and get some white money. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of privilege that I'm holding. Money. But at, at the same time, there is this weird fetishization that happens, especially in dating mm. with people that are... Because you're... I guess, like, to use James Roque's term, a gateway Asian. It's kind of like Asian light. Oh, damn. You know, like, you're kind of... They see you as, like, a safe Asian oh, because you're so white. <laughs> you're white enough to alleviate any fears it's like about... safe Asian. It's yeah, like safe about, about any um, cultural kind of differences that might come in the way. But you're exotic looking enough to be exciting and sexually appealing. It's so fucked up. And people don't realize they're doing it and what that means to me. I'm shaken by that term. I also deeply, (laughs) in all all my interactions, romantic interactions with white people, I deeply want them to know that I'm different to them and that my life experience has been different to them. (laughs) Like, I'm going to make a joke about being Asian. Yeah, but if you even fucking, like, say one word, I will cut you. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. It's really, it's not hypocritical, but it it does feel that way sometimes. And a lot of the play is about navigating that space Mm. because, I mean... Who the fuck knows how to get it right? I've been in so many relationships with white people. Mm. I'm in one now. And mm. it's like, I, you know, we still talk about this shit. Like, every week something will come up. Damn. Like, we had a discussion the other night about um, the, the word exotic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm all over this. Because, <laughs> yeah, someone I knew called someone else that I knew exotic. And they were sort of of an older generation. And, you know, they were like, oh, it's that person. Um, They're quite exotic looking, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't in a sexual context. And then I said this to my partner. I was like, oh, disappointing. Mm. And my partner was like, it's disappointing that that's a, that's a word that can't be used. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> let's, oh. Let's, oh, we're going to have to get into this. this. <laughs> but honestly, like, he didn't know what the origins of that word were at all. And I'm like, why would he? He yeah. would never have been called exotic. Yeah. You know, in a derogatory or because a complimentary way. Like, why would he know what that means you're so you're so often in those discussions so much of what you have to come back to is is telling someone that everything they view is in regards to its proximity to whiteness so Mm -hmm. like the eurocentrism goes so deep that like you actually want to get right to the heart of that and be like why are you judging me based on whiteness Mm, yeah yeah that we had an interesting workshop lately because the cast are all asian practitioners we're just uh just that's just my jam these days you know (laughs) there was a point in the script so there's two white characters in the play um and i wanted them to come across as characters and not caricatures so i was curious as to how we would do this with an all asian cast um, in a way that the audience would know these characters were white because that was important to the story, but also not judge them for being white immediately because we've only seen Asian people in the play so far. So we had a couple of workshops around how to perform whiteness and what whiteness cool. is. It was the most like confusing and mind-blowing thing. We worked with Jara and she basically 
the main thing that I got out of those workshops was that, you know, like you were saying, whiteness is a reaction or you're always reacting to it. So it doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's something constructed that exists as a judgment. As or a starting as a, point for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And it's how we react to that or how we create it by being othered or, or you know, all of those different kind of situations where it doesn't exist until until someone makes it exist. I'm probably not yeah. making much sense. No, no, sense, you're making but... a lot of sense to me. It doesn't exist. Like, people assume whiteness. So when you put something against it that is other than it, then yes. you see the existence of it. Yes, Unless you're exactly. like us, where you see the existence of it all the time. All the time. Yes. Exactly. Continue. Yes. Which was really interesting. And I don't I don't know where we got with that workshop. It was just like a massive can of worms, which That's was That's going to be interesting, though. I'm, I'm excited to see that. Yeah. Something I'm still working on. But yeah. yeah, I mean, in no way. There are white characters, and I, I think it's a very um, complex and nuanced um, topic of discussion when you're talking about, you know, interracial relationships that are, mm-hmm. you know, two people of color that are of different races or um, a white person and a person of color. It's just, there's just no right answer, mm. which is fun. Mm. Yeah, there is, no, there is no right answer, but there's a lot of answers that are more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how to do. This is a how-to guide on how to interracial relationships. So if you come to orientation, you just come out feeling really like equipped with a lot of tools. Do you know something that I think about quite a lot and I feel very angry whenever I think about it is... Um, oh, there's so many things. I know, I'm going to love this but, already. <laughs> there's, this, there's this poem... That I first saw, there's a spoken word poem that I first saw when I was like, oh, I think I was quite young. I might have been like 18. Yeah. Maybe a bit older, but I was young. Younger than I am now. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Um, and the poem is called, like, I Love Mixed Race Girls. And it's this white dude standing at this microphone. And he's like, I love mixed race girls with big curly hair. And he just, it's just this massive piece completely fetishizing mixed race women and the people in the audience are like woo and like yes and they're just like fucking loving it and the thing that makes me angry about that poem is that when i first saw it it made me feel empowered no this is exactly like fuck when i had this conversation with my partner the the other night about the word exotic Mm. i used to feel really like sexy and different and like special when men would be like you're so exotic looking oh Mm. my gosh like where are you from you're Mm. like stunning you're exotic Mm. and it's just so gross to think about now Mm. anyway all of that's an orientation (laughs) like all of that all of it everything we've tried to cram in as much as possible but it's also really fun like the show the show is looking at it (laughs) me and you definitely do funny as hell i think a lot of people are super confronted by it because it's something they're never allowed to talk about especially white people or people who aren't um asian people of a slightly older generation as well yeah totally and i hope i hope because i i always talk about this stuff and it often makes me just so infuriated i could Mm. explode it's really fun talking about it in a really irreverent way in the show and in no way was this show like a super struggle to write or like really painful or really like even that cathartic really i guess it was cathartic in the way that i came away from like finishing the last draft being like that was so fun to write as opposed to like that was harrowing and i had to really you know beat myself up to make the piece good 
I didn't have to do that. So I hope that translates into a fun I'm show. Sure, it will translate into a fun show. And that's also probably symptomatic of, I don't know if we're getting too deep into mm-hmm. theatre land chat right now, but that's probably something to do with your own progression as an artist, you know? Like, yeah. it doesn't always have to be, you, the shit you make doesn't have to be stuff that you dig up from the depths of your soul. It can come mm. easily and it can flow out. Totally. And that's great. Yeah. And I think because it's all current kind of conversations, but it's not, it's not stuff that I haven't processed that's going to hurt me yeah. to write. And yeah. there's a difference between... Um, so making something that's really truthful and unique to your own experience and making something that's just dangerous and damaging to you as a person. And I think that often artists can really blur that line. And when I see shows like that, I'm like, this is like painful for you to perform and I don't know if that's a good thing. Mm. And I don't know if anyone's enjoying it. And I don't yeah. know if you're having your cathartic experience or you'll just be worse off. Yeah, it's real talk right there. Yeah. If I was someone watching this show who hadn't um, had in-depth discussions with uh, an Asian New Zealander, an East Asian New Zealander about their identity or sexuality, if I was coming at this from a, like, I haven't interacted with something like this before, what would be the best way for me to see this show? When you first started that sentence, I thought you were going to say, what if I was a person who saw the show and hadn't, had sex like, <laughs> just don't <laughs> what if i was a virgin <laughs> if I was a virgin, you will love it even more um what would i tell them what would no, they tell I them mean, about it or how do you how do you receive this stuff without putting up right yeah like how i guess that's been a big question and especially when when i was writing it i was like who am i writing this for yeah and first, when I started writing the play, I was like, I'm writing this for white people. Mm. I fully am writing this for a white audience. Mm. Um, because I assume that all the people of color are going to just be like on side and kind of know what I'm talking about already. Mm. So the people who are going to be foreign to this world mm. um, and hopefully learn something and find it entertaining and interesting will be people that are white. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I hope, I think. Um, the way I've written it is hopefully an, an open kind of dialogue. I think I think because um, I have been so problematic in dealing with a lot of these issues in my own life, um, all of the people of color in the play, like nobody's perfect. All the characters are, are well-rounded. Nobody has, you know, the answer. Nobody's the wokeified paragon of you know sex and race and dating Mm. so i hope that um people don't feel intimidated by the work because they'll see very clearly very quickly that all the people of color are super flawed in this discussion as well Mm -hmm. so it's not that you know i'm not saying with the play white people are fucking it up for all the people of color when it comes to race and dating Mm -hmm. i'm saying that People of color and everybody involved in an interracial dating situation or even not interracially dating um, have have lots of internalized hangups about race and that race is always a factor, mm. whether you um, want to believe it or not, in, in dating and sex. Yes. So, yeah, mm. I guess everyone's just messy and fucked up and nobody is nobody holds the answers and I hope that that people will be comforted by that if they don't understand, you know, from an East Asian experience. Yeah. Yeah, I think that 
definitely sounds like a way to to ease it up. Because, I mean, I, don't, I also don't want to be patronizing to a white audience either. Mm. Because I think that the people who will want to come see the show and will buy tickets to see the show are going to be interested and mm-hmm. they're going to be open. And I'm kind of... I don't know if the kind of theater that I want to make about race is um, a middle finger to the world kind of theater. I don't... But don't you think that the idea of theater about non-european race like everyone thinks that it's always a middle finger even yeah, if, exactly. even if you're just even talking it about isn't. it peacefully exactly like yeah and you and you're probably absorbing some of that you yes. know yeah, which i just true. don't think is something that's that you have to take on true. as a creative like anything you want to say it doesn't have to be a fuck anything you want to say can or cannot be a yeah. fuck you but it isn't always going to be a fuck i you. think i feel the need to say that like in an interview hmm. because i think that like it is my fear that everyone's going to see the show and be like oh, this isn't for me, I'm white. Do you know what I mean? And I'm like, well, I'm also white. Yeah. I'm biracial, white and Chinese. Yeah, but but how much stuff have you had to watch that has been totally white all the exactly. time? Exactly. How much stuff do you still to have to watch? That and is it's totally not a fuck you to, no. you know, people of colour. It's well, just how they make. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> like, you can, you, you can identify with people because they're people. Exactly. And that's something that you've had to do because mm-hmm. you've grown up in a, in a Eurocentric society. So, yeah. It's because completely like asking the bare minimum I know. for someone who is white to come to the show and identify with it. Totally, you know? yeah. I think that's something that I that I don't give enough credit to as a storyteller because it's I think scary and hard, if you man. make a work as a person of color mm. ever, mm. it's always going to be viewed through a certain lens. Yeah, and so many things come with that. You have to defend it that it's not going to be triggering for white people. Mm-hmm. You have to continually say that it's gonna, it's not, it's gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be accessible. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna scare you. You're not gonna come away feeling villainized. But if you do, like, so fucking what? Yeah, no shit. But yeah, I think it's just like there are so many hangups that I have as an Asian artist. You know, trying to make work that is accessible. Mm. That is just you know, there's so many, there's so many things that I gotta say and do. Which, and and that's not something that I don't think. I mean, whatever, I'm just going to say it. I don't think white artists have to justify their work as being accessible as much as we do. Exactly, like, yeah. I really, mm. I, you know, I've I've made a, a couple shows that deal with race in different ways and I've always had to be like, this is, you know, in Drowning, for Drowning and Milk, I gave people a drink because I was like, this is going to be hard for you. So here is a really strong drink so you can deal with it. Mm. But actually, like... It's hard for me to watch a fucking action film, but I don't feel the need mm-hmm. to, you know, lubricate with any sort of substance before I that. I hate action films. <laughs> I always lube up. I always lube films. up before <laughs> entering the cinema. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and I just... It's a really good point, and it's one that I don't think about a lot because I'm so used to doing it, mm. which is shit. Yeah, but that's what, this, that's what making this show is going to do to you. To me. Yeah. I'll come out the other end and just be like, fuck everybody. No, that's not. Oh, no, 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 no. No, but you're just, you, but by doing this, you're going to investigate more about your relationship to it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm very curious to see how people will react to the show. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think that you've been, do you, have you had to tell yourself to like, 
keep your foot on the gas pedal with certain elements of it? Like, has has it been, have you, like, started kind of delving into something in the script or delving into something really difficult and wanted to pull back and make it less? Um, I think for, for, for me writing it, there's just so much I want to say. Mm. And it was really hard to have a draft that's now sitting at, like, an hour 43 <laughs> as opposed to, like, three hours. I think um, there's a huge, there's a big discussion in the script that's about working with white creators and that's like part of the journey of the story but there was just so much of it because it was something that I experienced recently that really like um, made me consider a lot of things. So there's just, there's just a lot that I want to say I think and okay. it's, it's hard to pull, it's hard to, it's hard to stop. Okay, cool. Yeah, when you have that freedom to just write whatever you want. Yeah, good. I guess there was nothing in the script that was too, like, sticky for me, though. Um, The one bit that really, like, emotionally got me when I first wrote it, and I've changed it a lot, but there's, like, a breakup scene, and it's, like, every time I read it to people, it's the scene that everyone's, like, I don't want to hear this, but I need to hear it. And it's pretty ruthless if you've ever been in a in an interracial relationship. Mm. But yeah, I'm just like, I'm like waiting for all of my exes to come out of the closet and be like, is this about me? Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so Don't. excited. <laughs> people always think like anytime you talk about relationships people want it to be about a specific person it doesn't need to be I mean sometimes it's about a specific person sometimes it's not sometimes it's about all of the people over your whole life yeah. and you're combining them yeah. and identifying the problem exactly like, <laughs> yeah sometimes it's like a literary device to expunge a theme yeah and sometimes <laughs> it's revenge but <laughs> <laughs> yeah no 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 <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. So, orientation is a show about sexuality from the perspective of an East Asian woman. Mm-hmm. And what happens in this show? Um, it's about a Chinese Pakeha woman who is fucked up and going through some stuff. Um, so, in order to deconstruct her racial uh, bias in her dating life she goes on a mission to bang as many asian guys as pass until she can find true love mm-hmm. and cool. we see that in the play does she find true love oh. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 don't say don't say I mean, we're going to come to the play I mean, and find out. Yeah. A, a version <laughs> of it. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Good way so, to yeah. answer the question. Yeah. Uh, and tell me, who is starring in the show? Um, like the five hottest people I could find in the whole world. I'm so excited. Um, Kyle Chewin plays every man who is sort of like a shape-shifting um, imaginary, imaginary being who is sort of like Kind of like May's best friend or imaginary friend. Mm-hmm. And, and then you've got the May as the main character. character. So she's played by Becky Quick, who is going to smash it. Um, Marwan Silerio plays Case, a Filipino bodybuilder. Oh, yeah, I know Marwan. Yeah, he's amazing. Oh. Um, and Mayan Meta plays Druv, who is a filmmaker. And he's just, oh, he's the best. 
Um, and Thomas, who is a Singaporean actor in the play, is played by Eugene Yao, who has just come off the back of doing this Chinese like dynasty soap drama. Amazing. So he's fully screen, um, screen trained. And we're sort of transitioning him to the stage with a pretty hefty project. Cool. Yeah, but he's amazing. And Jara Wasasala. Yes, she is the movement choreographer. Yeah. Um, and she's helped us out with some workshops around how to perform the white characters. Amazing. In the show. Amazing. Yeah. And you're directing it. And I'm directing it. Yay. Cool. I'm really excited. Cool. Entirely POC cast and cr- almost creative team yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Michael McCabe's doing the production design and all the costuming, and Great. it's going to be fucking hot. Amazing. This whole show is a giant thirst trap. <laughs> Do you need any other reason to say it? <laughs> nah. Also, I just really want to invite every person who are my friends making work out there who just cast white people in everything and just, like, invite them all to opening, sit them down, and just make them watch two hours of five Asian actors just killing it. Mm. Because at this point, there are no excuses. Come and see the show, cast everyone, the end. I can think of no better note to end on than come see the show, come see beautiful, incredibly talented Asian actors just acting their hearts out, doing it for the culture. Doing it for the white folks in the audience. I this show sounds like my absolute wet dream. <laughs> or well, dry hope, dream. No, it'll be wet, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to Chai Ling for talking with me about her new show. Tickets are available now and you should get them while they are smoking hot. I will see you there orientation on from the 5th to the 15th of september 7:45 at q theater